It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Hey guys. Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin over in LA. We've got Mike in London. Hello, my friend. Yo, how's it going, brother? Good. Now we can officially say welcome to 2022. Officially. The, we decided to surprise drop that that other episode on you guys on Boxing Day along with the other Christmas yeah. songs up. And now here we are with a, with an episode that we've been meaning to do for... Probably like a month at least at this point. Yeah. Top five mindfuck movies. So our top five mindfucks. I mean, I'm going to be honest, Mike. Like, I have this long list and, and there's even a, some that I haven't even gotten to yet. And I feel like I'm hoping they're on your list because I have a feeling they're batshit crazy. But if you guys want like a loose definition of what we mean, if you don't know already off the bat... I guess there can be a bit of a multi-meaning depending on the person, but at the end of the day, just movies that are mind fucks that make you either very confused or just have to think a lot about what's going on. Maybe, I don't know, Mike, how would you describe mind fucks? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I do think, you know, the more I was watching movies, writing stuff down, making my list, I think there are a few different categories because there's like the what the fuck just happened? Like very confusing mind fuck, mm-hmm. you know, then there's like the, Oh shit. Like, I don't know how I feel about what just happened, you know? And that kind yep. of sticks with you for a while. So there's a few different ways, but I think it's, yeah, it's anything that just sits with you for probably years. Honestly, the movies on my list, they never go away. No, you can't stop thinking about them. Oh man. Yeah. And I got to be honest, like I've got, I've got a couple classics in here that maybe you've heard me throw around in the past, but I, I tried to keep it. I tried to maybe introduce some stuff that we haven't talked about yet for a couple picks. So maybe, you know, a couple ones that are similar, similarly ranked will sit in our honorables after. Well, that might be a good segue for me because I pulled a very un Mike move. Wow. I decided that my number five was going to be a stone cold classic. Yes. I had some other stuff in there and then I just couldn't in good conscience do it. So if I can kick us off, I'm throwing out an absolute classic. Please. That is 1999's The Matrix. Oh my God. I mean, classic, classic. This is like the biggest movie I've ever talked about, probably. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. It's hard to leave it off the list. I mean, it feels like one of the like founding mindfuck movies of the 20th century. I know it's 99, I guess, but like. no, I, I completely agree. And and if our listeners don't know this, The Matrix, I have a few favorite movies ever. The Matrix is one of them. Yeah. And honestly, the only reason I kept it off was because it's just it's so ever present in my mind that I was just like, I could talk about other movies, but yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, it's maybe the, the ultimate, like it's one of the ultimates. It really, it really is. It really is. You know? And I mean, the thing is like, wait, first of all, have you seen the new matrix? Yes. Have you? Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's should we just make that our spotlight right now? All right, here we go. Impromptu spotlight, the new matrix, which is the, terrible. The Matrix Resurrections, which is not terrible. No, it's awful. Mike is wrong. It's absolutely awful. Uh don't see it. Wow. So he couldn't be more wrong. Oh, um it's not awful. It's okay. a it's a solid sequel. No, it's not a solid sequel. Matrix Reloaded is a solid sequel. Matrix Reloaded is the most trash entry in the franchise. Oh, wow. Okay. The All ordering right. for me, which I know is very different for most people, would go one, three, four, two. Oh, I'm straight down the line. One, two, three, four. Just like that. Oh, see, I don't understand people like that. Two, I've literally just rewatched all four. Two literally has no point, except that it has some cool action set pieces. There could not be less heart, anything in it, any semblance of a story. Facts, but it has dope action sequences. But three has a great story. Three actually finishes the story that one started, plus has some dope action sequences. I think it is three is the underrated gem of the series, although one is undeniably far and away the best. So three is the underrated gem in that it's the perfect movie if you want to take a nap. Like you'll be out in 20 <laughs> I, minutes. It's I so want to smack you. Boring. Wish it's I could so, smack you. The only thing more boring is this new movie. Let me tell you why Mike is the people that I'm hating on Reddit right now about <laughs> the new movie. Because here's the thing. And, and what I love, I have some backup by some pod regulars oh wow He's i have some some backup from dr action oh, i have some backup God. from uh dylan finnerty and look here's how i feel about the new matrix without going too deep into what actually happens because we don't want to ruin it for everyone it may be the most meta film that's ever been made in the history of film and here's what i liked about it and i and mike don't get me wrong there's things i disliked about it what i liked about it was I felt like Lana Wachowski did whatever the hell she wanted and she completely surprised everyone in where she went with this. And and on the one hand, you'll see in the movie, so it, it gets very meta, even to the point of where they sort of poke fun at the fact that Warner Brothers essentially made her make this film. Otherwise, they were going to make it with somebody else. So on the one hand, it's almost like she doesn't even really want to make the film. So fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want. At the same time, she actually does bring up, as every Matrix film does to some extent, she does bring up very interesting themes about, oh about nostalgia, how obsessed our culture is with said nostalgia, about, I'm trying to pull things out right now. I was just having a long talk about this with Dr. Action, but... Uh, we had very similar takes on the film. But look, I thought that there was there was some very creative vision in the film. I thought there was some things that were done well. I maybe would say I liked the first half maybe more. I don't know. But there was also a lot that didn't work for me. There was... Uh, I didn't think the fight sequences were inspired at all. I, I did not think they were good at all, to be honest. It felt like... A massive step down for you know the matrix franchise but then again it sort of felt like lana wachowski didn't really want to tell an action story in this one well you hit the word it's uninspired the whole movie is uninspired like you said she doesn't want to make it so she's looking for credit for saying she doesn't want to make it while making it it's like all right i get it but this is boring as shit i guess for me though like i'm a matrix super fan i'm a big big fan of the series i i thought it was interesting where she took it i thought that parts fell flat and parts worked i'm not going to come out of it saying it was you know 
some amazing film. But the fact that I can talk about it with multiple people for, you know, quite a while on end does more than any other movies done for me this year. So I'm not saying it's my favorite movie of the year, not even close, but I do think it's a solid three out of five. And I think it's well worth watching. I think the people that, and Mike, I know you're not one of these people because I know you actually, you know, care about film and and you just, you, this is your take. But I think the majority of people that are like all the people that write off all the Matrix films besides the first, it's these people that just want these this mainstream crap. And it's like, I'm not saying this movie's the best movie ever, but the fact that it's able to present deeper ideas than a lot of other films coming out these days is worth something. And and look, I could go down a rabbit hole of what I liked, follow the rabbit, but of what I liked and didn't like, but I'll just leave it at, there's pros and cons to the movie. I think it's well worth watching. Okay, so it's so funny about how like we rate films because like for me it's a 2.5 like we're not far at all off of our ratings (laughs) but uh you know what like i'm gonna quick wrap up take into my segue because it's the perfect thing is that like in this movie like we can all agree that the end of the third movie the story is done right yes this didn't need to be there this didn't need to be there. And therefore, I just always – like I just wasn't invested. You know, I just Got didn't it. really care anymore. And that's completely unlike why The Matrix is my number five right now because wow. watching The Matrix in 1999, it was blowing people's minds. Like it it basically brought like simulation theory to the masses, you know? Yes. And, and I can – I will – you know, hand up. I admit today, I'm a full-on simulation theory believer. I think it's more probable than not that we are currently in a simulation. Wow. Would I think that if I had not seen this movie? Probably not. Probably not. So, you know, longevity alone, life-changing film, The Matrix, for many, many people, I would say. Yeah, I, it's got to be one of the most influential movies I'd say ever made. Um, like, I truly believe that if you made I mean, there's been obviously thousands and thousands and thousands of films. If you made a top 50 list, there's no question Matrix is in it. For some people, it could be as influential as in the top 10 or 20. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And Keanu, I mean, the best of the best. So Matrix, I mean, we could talk about it on end, but we won't. Incredible number five, great way to lead us off. So happy it's on the list. And what is yours? Can't wait to hear what you're bringing. All right, so I went between two for a while, two movies, as I usually do. I decided to go with the movie I actually enjoyed. There was a movie that I almost put on that I I really didn't like much, but it was such an absolute mindfuck beyond belief that I almost had to put it on. I'm going to leave it off, and I'm going to lead with a film that I've been meaning to watch for about 20 years now. Almost saved it for our uh, Patreon movies we haven't we hadn't seen, but Ooh. I just I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist, and that is 1999's Being John Malkovich. Oh right, okay, cool. So there's you know Spike Jones directed film, Charlie Kaufman script. I mean it's wild. Obviously, like Charlie Kaufman stuff tends to be wacky, right, Mike? Yeah, sure. But um, I mean having this be hyped up for a long time and then realizing watching this now, you know, I watched it in 2021 that they made this in 99, same year as the matrix. Of course, it's like, it's absolutely nutty how wacky the, the story is here. I mean, you've got John Cusack 
finding like a like a hole like a first of all John Cusack <laughs> going to a floor in a building where it is like half the size of a normal floor and everyone hunches down starts working there discovers a like wormhole like a little hole behind some filing cabinets that when you crawl into you end up being in John actual John Malkovich's mind so you're like looking out of his body you're like in his body and it just gets so much more bizarre from there and it's like when you're done being in his body which you only are in it for what is it like a minute or so you end up getting like dumped on this freeway it's it's just outrageous just right there that's like the opening plot it just it just like look it's not my favorite movie ever or anything but it's it's very recent on my mind and again when i go back and i see these films that were made pre 2000 i'm just like wow like the fact not that people aren't weren't that creative prior just you obviously had less at your disposal in terms of technique and the fact that they're able to put something like this onto screen is really impressive i thought yeah i think charlie kaufman is like He's maybe more the existential mind fuck type of guy. Is that, yeah. is that fair to say? Like that eternal sunshine, just kind of even synecdoche. It kind of just leaves you feeling like, okay, what was I supposed to take from that? You know, mm-hmm. this is this is weird. Uh, but yeah, I like this movie. It's actually been a while since I've seen it. I'm due for a rewatch. But I um, I remember like when I first picked it up because I was pretty young, right? When it came out, we were. And I was like, is John, is this really going to be like John Malkovich? Is that just like some sort of turn of phrase? And they're like, no, no, it really is just being John Malkovich. It's just literally that is what the movie's about. Yeah. Interesting pick. I like that. Thank I think that's you. a great, great start to the list. Okay. My number four is, well, I have to tell you, Town. It's a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, which wow. is not unlike several films that end up on all my lists, but it's an 81% audience. Okay. And I remember watching it when I was a kid. I was a big, big fan, and I hadn't seen it in probably 15 years or something like that. So I revisited it, and I, and I think I still dig it. This is 2004's Butterfly Effect. Dude, what a – okay. One of my first honorables, I so I am so happy you put this on because I was like sad not to have this. Ashton. Ashton Kutcher. Come on. What the heck? Yeah, I just I, – I remember being a big fan – um, and I, I kind of remembered some of it, but man, I forgot how dark this film is. Holy shit. Does it deal with some dark mm-hmm. crap? It's good. But it's good, man. I mean, it introduces a lot of interesting ideas about like free will and, you know, the environment that you're raised in and kind of generational trauma and obviously just the ramifications of time travel in general, which I feel like always like interests me and I kind of want to try to unpack those movies. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's you know, parallel realities. Obviously the idea of the butterfly effect in itself is super mind fucky, but yeah, it's, it's a cool movie. It's really a cool movie. And, and Ashton Kutcher's good in it. You know, he's, he's definitely like the best part. And he, I like the pacing of it. It has like three separate timelines that they keep returning to. It's, it's really cool. I like it. Dude, I could not agree more. Uh, yeah. Highly considered it for my list and just, I mean, you just pretty much hit the nail on the head on all points, but I think it's one. Yeah. Like we did grow up with this one. So I think we have a slight soft spot for it, but even said 
it's an underrated movie and whatever you said 33% or whatever is actually criminal because it does introduce very dark themes and sort of far reaching themes that we can still think about today a lot. Yeah, and if if you haven't seen it somehow, I mean the butterfly effect is just this idea that like a butterfly flapping its wings, the you know the consequences of that can cause like a what is it, a tsunami or whatever. It's like the chaos theory thing that uh, Jeff Goldblum talks about in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dealing with someone that can Ashton Kutcher can like travel back in time and then he makes these decisions and then it changes the the present. Fantastic pick. I'm so happy that's on your list. Two picks from you so far that I'm so happy are on your list that somehow evaded my list, even though I love them both. Well, that's I'm I'm getting excited for yours too. It seems like we might be going slightly different directions, which is great. We might be. Although I, I the, my next my next one's a pretty big film. My next okay. one's my most right. mainstream film on the list. Okay, let's hear it. Which I I just couldn't leave off. It's just too big. It's similar to The Matrix, although different, because I think The Matrix is a lot more impactful. This is just a mainstream juggernaut, and that is 2010's Inception. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, as you know, I've just seen this for the first time recently. This is true. And if if memory serves me right, you actually quite enjoyed it. Thought it was great. Thought it was great. So look, the reason I got to include this one, I guess you could call this my Matrix pick in that... This movie just has layer upon layer upon layer, quite literally, and I just can't not include it. It, it, It's one of those movies that after the final frame rolls, everyone in every movie theater across America was, you know, I'll never forget seeing it. The place erupted, just screaming in the sense of, one, you have to pretty much pick your own ending, interpret it how you may. Is it a dream? Is it real life? I mean, that's what we're wondering through parts of the film. Your cast is stacked. You've got the one and only Leo, Leo DiCaprio leading us off. We've got uh, Elliot Page, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, Marion Cotillard, Ken Watanabe. Is that how we say his name? I think Watanabe. Watanabe. Um, and Michael Caine, like, it's just unbelievable. And of course, the if you've never seen Inception, directed and written by Christopher Nolan, pretty much uh, this 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 thief, not, I mean, it's very, con- <laughs> sorry, it's like complicated to explain. There's like a g- dream, there's like a dream sharing technology. And there's a thief who steals corporate secrets through this technology. And he is supposed to plant an idea. So in Incept, Inception, he's supposed to plant an idea in the mind of this CEO who's played by Killian Murphy. And I guess that's where it is. Mike, would that be the starting point? Yeah, I think so. And then it's it leads to, you know, wild sequences where you're not, no one's letting you know whether you're in reality or dream world. Yeah. And it, it just thrilling it's very interesting it makes you think a lot it's about again i i put it similar to the matrix and it's about as mainstream as you can get to really make you think about things yeah you know what's interesting about those two picks is they've also like they're they're the biggest they're the biggest like pop culture things and they've become like 
like inceptioning is a word that you'll hear and you'll know what it means, you know? Exactly. People, people talk about glitch in the matrix. Like these are things that we now use to describe like strange realities. Right. These are words we didn't really use prior to the movies right. being released. Exactly. Yeah. Which is pretty special. Agreed. Totally. So that's number four for me. Okay. So my number three, I have to tell you, there was, I hadn't really considered this going into the list, but the more I was brainstorming, I realized that Maybe the unsung hero of Mindfuck films is Whoa. Jake Gyllenhaal. He's in so many Mindfuck films. He's in a lot of Mindfuck films. Absolute legend. I I, I want to say I feel like you might pick, know what you pick because I have it on my honorables, but maybe not. Well, I am going with 2011's Source Code. Ooh, wow. Okay, what a that is out of left field. So this is a Duncan Jones movie. Uh, so he did Moon right before this, which is also kind of mindfucky, actually, now that I think about it. But um, the, the plot of this movie is that, like, oh, man, it's so funny, like, just getting into trying to describe these movies because they're so weird. It's so hard. Jake Gyllenhaal is dead, but he, through his, like, consciousness or his, like, sort of remaining electrical brain impulses, is able to go back in time sort of over and over again and recreate um, this this train. Yeah, this like explosion on a train that carries bombs that's going to destroy like downtown Chicago. And he has like a handler played by Vera Farmiga. And he has like sort of a girlfriend on the train, Michelle Monaghan. And Jeffrey Wright is in there as well. And he's like the mastermind of this whole crazy ass technology. Um, and I have to say like, you know, there's something about this movie that, well, it starts like right away as a, a kind of a banger start. Um, but then I wasn't really convinced um, that I was going to like it in the end. But, you know, it has this kind of strange alchemy that that it really is able to land on its feet and it kind of gets a, a, a deeper than expected gut punch in the end. You know, it really sets it up cleverly and it, it, it asks some some interesting questions about the value of, you know, life and death and, and free will and even the value of like a second, you know, and it's uh, I'm a big fan of all the leads It's a super tight film. It's only 93 minutes. It's a uh, it's a really, really cool movie, dude. Wow. This is a pick. I actually just saw this movie for the first time sometime in the last couple of years since COVID happened. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and like you said, banger of a start to this one. Yeah, absolutely. But dude, Gyllenhaal really is all over the place, like all over. We'll have to talk more in the honorables, but I, agree. I mean, I agree. yeah, he's he's got multiples. Okay, so that was number three for you. Yes, yeah. Number three. Okay, okay. So this is sort of, if you know me well, I'd say my next couple picks are going to be sort of classics of my, that I'm very passionate. I'm not calling the movies classics, so obviously they are in my heart. They're classic me picks. I'm very passionate about these films, so I'm going to kick us off. Number three. 2001's Vanilla Sky. Yes, this is a town classic. Town loves this film. I could not leave it off the list. Tom Cruise, directed by Cameron Crowe, also has Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, Kurt Russell, Jason Lee, uh, Tilda Swinton, Michael Shannon. It's got a big cast, Timothy Spall. Can we say that Tom Cruise is also, he's also a mindfucker. He... Tom There's Cruise a is a mindfucker. A lot of mindfuck movies. Dude. But this might be the mindfuckiest of all. And 
<laughs> so Vanilla Sky, again, going to try to explain. So pretty much like Tom Cruise is this rich, bit arrogant guy. Um, he lives a very pri- privileged life. And he is having sex with, I guess you could say loosely dating Cameron Diaz's character, who's a bit off kilter. And he ends up meeting Penelope Cruz's character, who he's much more taken by. Anyways, long story short, he gets in a crazy car accident because Cameron Diaz's character is very upset that, you know, she's realizing he doesn't actually have any interest in her. And she ends up dying. He ends up having his face horribly disfigured. And it becomes this whole movie about where, like, he discovers there's this lucid dream program where you can essentially be put into, be, like, cryogenically frozen, but live sort of the life you would like to live and it feels like it's a real life and again you sort of don't know if or when he's gone into the lucid dream am i am i making sense mike yeah yeah and it goes from there and it's it's a very trippy experience it makes you think a lot and i will say like of of probably every movie there's there's a handful that i think about for quite a while after this movie since the day i saw it i still have not stopped thinking about it. I, I still think about this film and the ending from time to time. And just, it, it creates so many questions about life and sort of makes you think about the small amount of time that we are here on this earth and throws out some interesting plausibilities such as, again, I don't want to really ruin the plot if you haven't seen it, but you are you have to think at least about like, would you consider ever like living at a different, you know, time in life when you knew nobody, when everyone you ever loved or knew was not around anymore. And I don't know, it's just, it's one of those movies that after you watch it, you just can't help but just sit around for hours, like thinking about it. It sort of puts you in one of those very reflective moods. And to me, I mean, you go to the movies for a lot of different reasons, but movies that can do that to me, I find to be particularly special. Yeah, I do feel like this had to be on your list just in the you know the longevity of time that it's affected you you know yeah i know you think about this and talk about this movie a lot and that's you know it's 20 20 plus years right man i i truly believe it's one of the most and i know it's a remake by the way it's a remake of um abre los ojos which i believe means open your eyes which is a, a line that you hear a lot in the film but uh also starring penelope cruz but um, man, this this version, this movie, it's severely underrated in my opinion. I think it's as good a work as Tom Cruise has ever done, and deserves to be seen by by the masses. Yeah, and every time we talk about it, I say I'm due for a rewatch. So I really do have to get around to that. It's been it's been quite a while for me. I think it's time, my friend. Okay, all right. Well, grade number three. Uh, my you. number two. I'm going to a director that I know you are a fan of. Ooh. And I'm going back to the Jake Gyllenhaal well. I debated going there three times. It's only two times. This is my second and final Jake Gyllenhaal. I think I might know what it is. Going to 2013's Enemy. Yep. Yep. Directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, And this film has, I don't know, it's it's a bit 
not controversial in terms of the content, but like in terms of how people evaluate it. And I think it's fucking great. And and it, it may be a bit of a, I don't know, almost like an entry level uh, mindfucky film because it's one that you I feel like you can get your fingers around uh, most of it until the end, which is just absolutely insane. But um, it's basically about Jake Gyllenhaal sees in a movie a person that's identical to him. Um, and he, he like tracks that person down and, and they're not, you know, they're not like twins. They're just like identical in every possible way. Um, and there's obviously the big question of, you know, is this really happening? Um, is he making up this whole thing? But there's other characters involved. Like he has, um, I can't remember if it's a girlfriend or a wife, but anyway, she, and she like, you have to see how she kind of interprets the situation and the, the decisions that he makes. And, and yeah, like, you know, it, it asks all these questions about, you know, can he, what is real? Is this another person? What would that mean if it was? And if it's not, is he somehow able to kind of choose which person he wants to be? You know, is it about the choices that we make in life mm-hmm. and how that affects us? And then, like I said, there's, there's really the end of the movie is just like, I think some people might think it's pretentious, but it's just like a hilariously insane, like comes out of nowhere ending that you just walk out of the theater being like, what the fuck was that was about, you know? And it's, uh, I love it. I really love it. Dude, this is another one I only saw in the last few years. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, call it entry level mindfuck if you want. It is absolutely a mindfuck. And it, and it just adds so much like it adds some surrealist stuff in there, too, that you don't yeah. always yeah. see in mindfuck films. I mean, great pick. I think I think of all the Gyllenhaal mindfucks, this is the biggest of them. So I think I, I think maybe I want to say that, like, and, and I'm comfortable saying this on the pod because I think it's sort of intentional. I think you're supposed to believe that there's not obviously two of him. There's no explanation for why there would be. Right. Right. I think it's supposed to be clear that he's going through some mental shit and that's what i mean in the sense of like that won't keep you up at night but then like the surrealist aspects are stuff that you can ponder forever yes oh what a great pick what a great pick. okay number two number two baby okay so number two another one that i just preach for so so much gotta be one of the more confusing films but with many a rewatch it is a film that you can definitely piece together. And that is speaking of the Wachowskis, mm, 2012's Cloud Atlas. Yeah, I still got to see it. Dude, even on IMDb, man, you know, IMDb, like pretty much the top movies have like an 8.0. Yeah. This has a 7.4 with 350,000 reviews. So I have this downloaded on my phone, like in Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon over here. Uh-huh. And I just, I, I get so close to watching it. It's on like my list of stuff that I thought of watching for this episode. And I just, I just couldn't get around to it. Oh, you need to soon. It's, but can you watch it on an actual TV? Yeah, 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 totally. Okay, good. You you need it. You need it. It's definitely a bigger screen experience. Okay. But, um. I'm not going to dive really too much into the plot because it is that com- it's that like confusing. Bottom line, there's this legendary, very long novel called Cloud Atlas, written by David Mitchell. The Wachowskis and Tom Twyker or Tyker 
decided to try to take on the mammoth feat of adapting it into a film. Uh, Tom Cruise to this day says it's his favorite film he's ever worked on. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. Tom Hanks. Excuse me, everyone. I've, I've had too much Tom Cruise mindfuckery in my mind. I don't even know if I just said Cruise or Hanks at first, but it's Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's, Tom I think you Hanks, said Cruise, but we knew it was Hanks. It's yes. Hanks. Tom Hanks says this is his favorite film he's ever worked on and is the only film he's been in that he's watched more than once. So we've got Tom Hanks in here, Halle Berry, Hugo Weaving, speaking of a Wachowski favorite, Hugh Grant, Jim Broadbent, Keith David, James Darcy, Susan Sarandon. There's a lot of people in here. Anyways, it's about, let's put it this way. This is going to sound very confusing, but there are, it's about pretty much people's, you're like the soul of a human and how it may travel between lifetimes and evolve over time and it's it's an it's i don't even know if that makes any sense but it is an epic so let's put it this way like all the actors play different characters in different timelines sounds confusing right it it does and it's you know it's about three hours long and i promise you I, i really have not met many people that have seen this that don't love it like it's one of those movies if you're a big film person it's beautiful it's unbelievable how they were able to make this a cohesive three-hour piece and it takes probably two or three times to really grasp all the fine details but it's worth it's like an exciting multi-watch like you're not like oh i gotta watch it again it's like i'm excited to watch it again because now that i've gotten it all in my mind and i can sort of understand what was going on now I want to see all the intricacies that connect and weave through these timelines to connect them all. It's a great movie. Gotta watch this. Maybe maybe it'll be a little catch-up episode. Hey. Which we have coming up very soon. I would highly recommend. I've got to make sure that that's on my catch-up list. Okay. Are we at number one? Oh, my God. We are. Wow. Okay. Uh, number one. Came up quick. And this was a bit a bit of a no brainer for me. Um, this for me is like the purest form of mind fuck. Where after you watch it, you're like, okay, this is a puzzle, and I need to solve it, or else I'm never gonna fall asleep. And I probably watch it like every couple of years, and it, then it takes me like another several hours to figure it out with the help of the internet. Wow! Um, and I just keep going back for more. But you can solve it, which is something oh. I really really appreciate about it. I know what I, you're gonna pick. I think we've talked about it before, but maybe not on the pod. Uh, and that is 2004's Primer. This fucking guy. So you don't like this movie? So I watched it for the first time ever in the past week. Oh. Been meaning to forever. Whoa. Okay. I wouldn't go so far as to say I didn't like it. I'd go as so far as to say, so that was the movie that I said I was almost put as my number five. Because it is oh, yeah. so insanely mindfucky. Yes, okay. I mean, it, it really probably does take up there for most mindfuck-like ever. I guess for me, and I'll let you go into it mostly because I know you're very excited to talk about it. I'll say I really respect what they did on the insanely low budget. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, what, it's a $7,000 budget? Seven, yeah, yep. 
even though a lot of people call it pretentious, I respect that since the guy, the director, uh, who also, what's his name again, Mike? Shane Carruth. Shane Carruth. I respect, wasn't he a mathematician? And so he didn't want to dumb down the dialogue. So it's all very math heavy. Yeah, I think he was something like that, mathematician or engineer, and then he did like additional research to make sure that it was like, yeah, exactly. It's not dumbed down at all. Right. So it's like, I respect that. I wouldn't, for me, call it a very enjoyable movie to watch for for me in that I'm totally fine with the dialogue being the action in a sense. I thought it was very interesting. Like they did have me curious where I was I was following along and trying to tr- we'll say trying to follow along yeah. and yeah you can tell it's going to be one of those that takes multiple viewings to even get some grasp on and you may never fully get there but again it just like there's not enough entertainment value in it for me but I do respect it and think it is one of the top mind fucks but I want you to go into why it's okay great. Uh, well, okay. I love all that. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to come back to what you're saying as well, but yeah. So a couple things. So it's directed, written, produced, starring, scored by Shane Carruth, his first of two films. I do feel like I need to say that, you know, Shane Carruth is his, his wife who stars in his second film. There's now like a restraining order against him. So I don't know if he's a bad person, but I, I need to just say that. And this film is, you know, I just love the way that it plays out very short, very tight, very small budget. And, you know, in the beginning, they invent time travel. Um, and they and, and Shane gives you, I don't know, he gives you a good enough exposition of the rules of time travel that you feel like you're in control. You know, you understand what time travel means in this film. And then uh, you start to lose control. And basically the characters, you know, they've given you the science, but they've left... There's no way for them to have um, sort of planned out in a calculating way the paranoia, the greed, the jealousy that that makes them human. Um, And in the last 15 minutes, that gets sort of taken to the nth degree to the point where there's like – trying to remember now. There's like six or seven different versions of one character from having traveled back in time to so many different places – um, and yeah, it's, it's a thing that you can't figure out in real time. You have to like sit down after and watch in sort of slow motion and then make a diagram to just try to figure out what the hell is happening. And I just love the puzzle of it. And it's, it's a really small film, a really short film. Um, I love time travel stuff. And I just, I think this is maybe, I like that it's not out there on a plate for you and you have to dig for it. And I think it's satisfying to do that. Um, but I will say town. If you haven't seen Upstream Color, his second film, it is kind of equally mindfucky, but whereas this one is like a cold, calculated uh, mindfuck, that one is like an emotional mindfuck. Okay. You, you might gravitate towards it more. I, I do really want to see Upstream Color. That's been on my list. Might have to be one of my catch-ups. We'll see. It's it, and it would be on my honorable. So I didn't want to put two Shane Carruth movies on here, but it's it's a really cool movie as well. It's just a lot more emotional based. Okay. Okay. Ooh, I'm I. It's that really is on my list of ones I wanted to watch that I didn't quite get to. I'm very happy I got to Primer though, and I feel like everything you said about it is so true. And and there are so many people that like love primer 
because of all the reasons you noted. It's just, it's, it's as complex and insane and like actually there, like it actually does fit together for being so insane. Yeah. But, and mind blowing, mind blowing what he was, I mean, first film, first, just, it's insane. The accomplishment is, is up there for all time. Grand jury prize at Sundance. Insane. Seven thousand dollars. Incredible. You and I Incredible. could make that. We we could make that movie. We like it, We literally can't. Like we we <laughs> as if we <laughs> We have the resources to do so. Yes, but that we is what I meant. Creativity. Yeah. That is what I meant. Oh my god. Incredible. So great number one, primer two thousand four. Okay. My number one. There's a little bit of cheating, but it's actually, it's clear cut because I'm making a choice on a number one, but I feel like I'm legitimately having a bit of a tie. Okay. So my number one to me is the the king of mind fucks, David Lynch Mm, and his entire LA trilogy, which they're not actually connected films, but it's 1997's Lost Highway, 2001's Mulholland Drive and 2006's Inland Empire, and the film I'm going to shine a light on, which is funny enough my least favorite film of the three, but I think by far the biggest mindfuck is 2006's Inland Empire. Okay, yeah. I mean, you could have gone with any. You could have even gone with Blue Velvet or something if you wanted to, right? Oh, my God, 100%. Almost every film yeah. the, 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 yeah. the maestro has made is Honestly, a mindfuck. I thought you were going with Mulholland Drive. Well, probably my, I'm very close between Mulholland and Lost Highway for my favorite of those three, I, or really for my favorite Lynch film. Those are very close. I'd probably lean Mulholland because I think it maybe is the most full-fleshed and like trippy yeah. film. But I'm going inland because it's the least talked about, and I have the craziest memory of that movie of any of his films because of just how much it fucked my mind up. Yeah. So I feel like it just wouldn't be right not to talk about it. So Inland Empire, the the last film that David Lynch has truly directed. I mean, he did Twin Peaks The Return, obviously recently, but this is it otherwise. Um, so this movie, it's got, you know, some of his some of his tried and true people that he likes working with. We've got Laura Dern. Oh my God. Harry Dean Stanton. We've got Grace Zabriskie. Um, we've got Justin Thoreau and we've got Jeremy Irons. So, so he shot this just on like a little like Sony like camera that makes it look, the whole thing just looks super creepy. And the, plot i guess you could call if you could call it that because as we know lynch is very surrealist in how he films but uh it's about this movie that's being shot and an actress begins to like adopt the persona of her character in the film and things become like pretty much nightmare fuel for the next two and a half three hours the movie's about three hours long Um, even like a short that Lynch had done earlier in his career, this like rabbits short, like plays into the film a little bit, which is essentially like these, it's like these rabbits sitting in like a living room. It's, it's so nutty. It's so pretty much this movie allows David Lynch to go as David Lynch as he has ever gone. 
And half the film was shot in the States. Half the film, I believe, was shot in Poland. And it is just so disturbing. Like, I saw this with... uh, two of my best friends growing up, obviously David Kramer, who you guys know from the pod from our Blink Miss episode and uh, JP Culligan, big shout out to JP. And like, we were all really into Lynch growing up and I'll never forget going to see this. And I could not have been a mix, more, more of a mix of like disturbed, partly like at the time back then when I was, I think 16 or 17, kind of bored and like where the fuck is this movie going and then of course like as time has passed and i've watched it again and you can't even actually find it anywhere on streamers you have to like watch it on youtube essentially or have the dvd it's just so creepy it's like lynch has so many insane sequences in this and like just really really disturbing slash creepy imagery and I just think that while it might be his least focused film, if that makes sense, it's just so interesting. It's like nobody can put to film what he does. And I don't even know if I can like recommend this film. But if you are unfamiliar with just Lynch in general, I'd say start with Mulholland Drive and work each, you know, work from there. I mean, you could start with Twin Peaks, which I'm a massive fan of, but I feel like if you want to really delve into his movies, start with Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet and work from there. But like Inland Empire is as deep down the Lynch rabbit hole as you are going to get. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's, I I think you're right. It's, it's an interesting pick for number one. Not what I expected. Any Lynch would probably do, but yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting. He's the master of mindfuck for me. Yeah. I mean, he's not, not the master of mindfuck. That's for sure. I mean, what's what's Lost Highway about? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, <laughs> I've got some ideas. I think Lost Highway is like one of his more underappreciated. I think Lost Highway is a gem. So it takes it takes a bit of time, but on second and third watch, Lost Highway is fucking great. Yup. Yup. Um, but yeah, I you know I'd kind of neglected that that Lynch would be on your list. Very interesting choice. Um, should we do a quick recap and then throw out a few honorables? Please. All right. Uh, my number five is The Matrix. Number four is Butterfly Effect. Number three, Source Code. Number two, Enemy. Number one, Primer. And my number five is Being John Malkovich. My number four is Inception. My number three is Vanilla Sky. My number two is Cloud Atlas. And my number one is Inland Empire. Although we can just say the L.A. trilogy by David Lynch. So I like that. You could also have Mulholland Driver Lost Highway in there. I like that. Um, so I've reserved my honorables for like, you know, in my list, I have movies that are, I don't know, sort of puzzles that really make you try to figure them out or mm-hmm. are like intellectually challenging with the ideas that they bring up. I think there's a third category and I've reserved my, uh, all of my honorables for that, which is movies that you see that you don't want to think about anymore because the thoughts that they've raised in you are disturbing. Ooh, Okay. So I've you. got going right back to the well of Jake Gyllenhaal, oh a movie God. that I don't like to think about, Nightcrawler. Oh, I love Nightcrawler. It's so good. But dude, that movie just makes you feel like, oh no, like we're everyone in the world is bad people. Like yep. we are doomed. Like yep. I don't like this world. Oh, it's such a good movie. So good. Um, another one, The Lobster. 
Oh and I, I know you're kind of up and down in your ghost, but like the lobster that just leaves you questioning, is there any real relationships on earth and are they important? <laughs> yikes. Yikesy. Yikes. Gone girl? Oh, okay. Another yikesy. I don't like to think that that can happen, but I True. feel like that could happen and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's not a good, that's not a nice thought. That's not a nice thought at all. And maybe uh, just one that people might not know that I, I just like picked up off the shelves of Blockbuster way back in the day. And I've seen a few times now. It's from 2007. It's called Sublime. Ooh, yeah. I haven't heard of this. It's starring Tom Cavanaugh, who um, he plays like Zach Braff's brother on Scrubs. I think that's probably why he got it. But uh-huh. it's basically, it's all about like things going wrong when you go into the hospital for surgery and like where that could possibly lead. Don't love that already. Don't love it. And it has like a surprise ending that I think actually adds to it, but it's just like yeah, it's it's not it's not good. I don't like to think about it. Okay. Yeah, don't love that. What do you got? I've got let's see what I've got in here. Okay. I've I and I only didn't include this one because we've talked about it quite a bit on the pod recently, but I have uh 2013's coherence. Oh yeah, right. Which we've talked about recently. Big mind fuck. Um, I have Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, I had to include Tenet because it's just, it's almost too confusing. Uh, Nolan's latest. I've got 2001 A Space Odyssey just for, just even for that final, you know, 20, 25 minute acid trip sequence. Mm-hmm. True. You know, one, I got to say one of the first mind fucks I ever really watched or I'd say maybe some of the first two, which are both David Fincher, Fight Club and The Game. Yeah, yeah. Have like to shout them out. Like yeah, me too. That's about it for me. That's about it. I think, you know, I just was thinking we, sh- we should also mention, while we're going down the, the Nolan rabbit hole, Memento. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That it's is on my list. It's I just cornerstone. cornerstone. And you know what? I got one more. The... 2000 i believe it's 2006 let me look it up yes 2006 is a scanner darkly oh yeah right right it's and a fun uh, little film what's the other one that's like that scanner darkly and waking life waking life oh you know what i never saw waking life i was meant to oh i can't remember now if they're like tied it's been a while regardless okay waking life but yeah all right mind fucks they they got us confused we got confused uh leave enough of some link later i love it i love Ugh. it Okay. Well guys, it's been a great week. Let's have a let's have a great twenty twenty two. Off to a great start with Omicron. Yeah. With 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 <laughs> Omicron and Mindfucks. So yeah. look, if you wanna hit us up and tell us movies we forgot, get us on Instagram at top fives and deep dives, Twitter at top dives. Um, you know the drill. Leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Takes thirty seconds, really helps us out. We appreciate it. And uh, and check out our Patreon if you're interested in bonus content. You can find it all linked from our socials. Yeah, we love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Scorsese, followed by Quentin Ta-
Antonius. Tom Cruise is a mindfucker.